Amen, amen. I hope everybody is having a good week. Are we on in the back? We are on. Just like the power company, we're always on. You know, I, I still remember I, we were, we have a, one of my former bosses, she's retiring and she had all this stuff that was like from past campaigns for the power company. And we were all going and doing, uh, we were grabbing it out of her office because she was like, I ain't taking this stuff, you know, on my retirement. And so, you know, I got the little birds. I don't know if anybody from the power remembers the, the old ones where the birds would talk to each other. I got those. And then I got an always on coffee cup. I mean, all these different things. And I thought to myself, Jesus is always on. You know, he's better than the power company. You know, the power company, we're there. But there's a good possibility that something really bad happens. We're going to black out. I'm just going to tell you. All right. I mean, if, it, if it's too bad, you want us to black out, okay? You don't want us burning down cities and everything else. But Jesus is so powerful and so always on that it doesn't matter. He causes life in every situation, amen? amen? I don't know, it just hit me this week. I was like, Jesus is always on. Power company thinks they're always going to be on. But you know what the best thing about this is? Is that when we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, He's always on in us. See, the thing is, Jesus can be always on, but if you don't know he's always on in you, you won't receive it. Woo! I'm going to tell you what, if, it, if that doesn't ring a bell to you, because what, what you need to understand is that you just don't need him when something bad happens. You need him all the time. Every single moment of every single day. You know what? There's sometimes I just wake up in the morning and I need him really bad because I got to get up, I got to go to work and it's, Oh, Jesus, help me, you know, and I'll do that. Well, that's a, that's a decent prayer. But you know that a better prayer is to go, I know what your promises says, and it's yes and amen, and I know that I'm going to go into the world, and I'm going to be able to preach the gospel, but I'm also going to be able to do everything that you've called me to do. There's some scriptures that go with that, right? I love Philippians 4. You go in there, and in Philippians 4, it says that we have the peace that passes all understanding that's in our hearts and our minds. That's our belief system. Our heart is where you believe. Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that you believe with your heart. It's a definition. See, a lot of people just go, well, if I believe in my heart, well, how do I believe in my heart? It means you believed. Because you can't believe without your heart. I don't know why I'm getting off on this, but I'm going to tell you, there's some people that need to understand your heart's where your believer is, and your believer needs to know that he's always on. Amen? And I'm not even on my, what I'm going to teach on. But see, this is the thing I want you to understand right this minute, because the Holy Spirit is not pulling me off of it right, right now. Do you know that when we know who we are, then we can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens us, and He supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, some people will go, well, do you believe in all that prosperity? I believe God's prospered me in everything that I do. You know, I am not a millionaire, but you know what? In the Spirit, I am pretty rich. I'm as rich as he is. You know, when you, got, when you got accepted into the family, that means that you got access to the wealth of heaven. The wealth of heaven. You've been adopted into the wealth of heaven. 
And you go, well, what do I need today? Well, I need some peace today. Okay, well then the peace of heaven comes and it's a part of you. And then you go, well, heck, I need to be able to pay for my bills. I mean, I've been talking to my daughter and them. They need some bills paid. They're believing God for some stuff. They need to. Believe me. They need to believe God for this because dad doesn't want to have to help pay for it. <laughs> Amen. But the wealth of heaven, go and pull from that. You know, this is one of those things that when, that when I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, it's not just a, well, I hope. It's I can. I can means that I will. I can means that I'm, I'm doing it. It's not, a, it's not a suggestion. It is, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. What if I don't feel like doing it? I can still do it. Now, the question is, will you do it? And that's what I want you to understand today that, you know what, this kind of ties into this, and I'm going to try to tie it in, but, you know, you are blessed. We, the last two weeks we've been talking about our blessings and about how the curse has been done away through Jesus Christ and about how the blessing is our eulogy to people, how we eulogize people. You know, if you go to a, if you go to any funeral and you're like talking in front of, you know, somebody says, well, hey, this is my, this is my grandparents or this is my, my aunt or uncle or whoever it is, and you're wanting to give a good eulogy, then you're going to speak about the good things. You're going to revelate everybody that's there about all the good things this person did. Well, that's exactly what blessed means. It means that you're going to eulogize what God has put in your life. Eulogy is nothing more than just I'm speaking what I know to be true about his blessings. Amen? And that's why your mouth may not know it yet. There's a lot of people that's walking out here going, you know what, I just don't really, I don't think I am blessed. Every time I start to get up, I get knocked right back down. You know, woe is me. Everything happens to me. I don't really understand what, what the problem is. I must be cursed. And see, this is the problem is that our mouth is how we speak the blessings. We speak the blessings for ourselves. We speak the blessings for other people. We need to speak blessings into our children, into our grandchildren, into our nieces and our nephews. And Caleb's going to go win a game right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We speak life and we speak truth. But see, when we, when we hold back on what we know to be true, then we're not out there. We're not persisting. You know, I, I've been embarrassed by things in my life, right? I mean, there was a time in my life when I got saved and I was embarrassed to be a Christian because I knew people who, who were atheists or agnostics or they just didn't want to hear about it, right? And so you get, you get self-conscious about whatever it is, the, the blessing, the, the thing that God is doing in your life. And you know, the thing about that is, is that I didn't know my blessings. I just knew I got saved. And so in five minutes, somebody that's an atheist agnostic, uh, they, they just want to go drinking on Friday night. You know, you, you know the, the people who, who drink and smoke and swear and do, 
all of those people would be the ones that would come out and go, oh, well, you know, all that Jesus stuff. Well, you know, at first, you don't know what to say. See, if you don't know your blessing, you won't know what to say. If you don't know your blessing, you won't know where to go. If you don't know your blessing, what you're going to do is you will be quiet. And see, God wants us to speak His goodness into the earth. In fact, there are times where you're going to speak goodness into the earth because there's nobody else that's speaking it. You're going to be the peace in the situation. You're going to be the person that's going to bring the prosperity. And you go, well, do I have to pull my wallet out? Well, sometimes. Sometimes I pull my wallet out and I, I give to people. But you know what? I found out that people don't need money as much as they need encouragement. And they need peace. And they need to know that it's going to be okay. This is the truth of the gospel that money doesn't fix everything. In fact, money actually makes some people worse. If you go give money to an alcoholic, guess what he's going to do with it? He's going to buy alcohol. You go give it to a drug addict, what's going to happen? He's going to go buy drugs. This is the problem that we have in our society is everybody looks at the church or they look at Christians and they go, stop all the preaching and start giving your money. Because that's the easy the easy button. But you know what? The world doesn't need your money. Oh, I'm going to tell that again. The world doesn't need your money. The world needs your mouth. They need you speaking the word of God into people's lives. You need to be able to reach out and see people and say, I want to be able to reach in and get dirty with you. I want to know what's happening. I want to be able to speak into it. I want to pray. I've got some good testimonies that, that came uh, from Sue this week. I, I got those and I was like, whoa, that, that was great. But you know, the thing is, I wasn't shocked by it because we spoke the word and we, we put that in there. But you know what? I still want to give praise to God. Hallelujah. Do you know that when we speak in other people's lives, when we share with each other, you know, there's scriptures out there in Matthew that says, and if in any two shall agree, that it shall be done for them as in heaven. It means that, you know, in heaven is there a lot of sickness. I mean, you know, streets of gold probably have a lot of people that's just like got the black plague and they're, they're all hanging out on the streets and it's like, oh, COVID in heaven. No, that's not true. So if I'm trying to agree with somebody, then I am saying that the same thing that would happen in heaven is happening on earth. You know, you know why that is? This is a really funny little thing. If people don't know about this, what did Jesus come to do? He said, I came to bring the kingdom. See, he took the Holy of Holies and he broke that up. In, in 70 AD, there hasn't been a temple since. We don't even know where, where the Holy of Holies and, and the and the mercy seat and all that is. But you know what Jesus did? He went and he put it right here. So now the kingdom of God, heaven itself, lives on the inside of you. Amen. I hope that was helpful. I hope that's helpful because if you don't understand this, then when we start talking about how you're going to bless people, you go, well, I just don't know if I got anything to give. You got a lot to give. You got heaven to give. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and get started. <sighs> I, about time. I'd, the, 
The last like 10 minutes, just go ahead, put that, put that off to the side. That was extra, okay? Last week, we found out that the word blessed is eulogos. It actually is where we get eulogy from. And it means to speak well of, adoration, or to express benefits. Now, I want you to understand, if I'm expressing a benefit, I'm not expressing something that I hate about it, too. A eulogy, I had a screenshot, and it was like this guy giving a eulogy, and they were like, boo, boo. It was like, well, you know, I think a lot of times the Holy Spirit comes to us and brings to remembrance our goodness and all the things, and we're too far in our pity party, and we start booing the eulogy that the Holy Spirit's trying to do on the inside of us. Because it says that he's the comforter and that he, I mean, John chapter 15 says that I'll send the comforter and that he will teach you all things and bring to back to your remembrance those things which you have been taught. So if you have that, if you have that coming up in the inside of you and you're wanting to have a pity party, then don't go, boo, I want a pity party more Holy Spirit. I want a pity party more Jesus. I'm tired of not being able to cry and whine and complain. Well, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to be able to eulogize yourself. And you're also not going to be able to go out there and eulogize others. Because if you're not expressing what your benefits are, then you're booing the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit, you know, there's scriptures about blaspheming the Holy Spirit that I don't even want to get into this morning. But you know that blaspheming the Holy Spirit is one of those things where I believe people can push the Holy Spirit away. Now, I'm not saying Christians, people who believe, but I believe people have hardened their heart so much that you know why it's unforgivable? It's because if you keep pushing the Holy Spirit away to the point to where you can't ever hear Him again, then there's no way you'll ever get saved because the Holy Spirit is what is dealing with your heart. Well, guess what? We need to understand how the Holy Spirit is dealing with our hearts. And don't push Him away. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. But you may lose your, your benefits because you're going to negate them. I know that was tough. I know what I said right there was just really tough. But if I keep negating my benefits, then guess what? I don't get them anymore. If they're gifts, and what is a gift good for? If I gave you all an air fryer and you never used the air fryer, would you ever have anything that was air fried in your house? Well, by God, why didn't Jesus just come and do it for you? <laughs> See, that's the way the world wants to tell you is that, well, if God truly loved us, then he would come and he would stop bad things from happening. Well, you know what? 99.999999% of the time, there's people that are, that are out there that they knew they shouldn't have done it before they did it. And then they get into it and then they're like, Jesus, why didn't you help me? You know why? Because you was a stupid one that did it. I feel like stepping on toes this morning. It's just, there's something. Y'all are drawing that out of me this morning. How, how many people, take your shoes off. It's going to get better, okay? All right. All right, we're going to talk about the blessings and the curses and not the flattery and the cussing. How many people know that the, the flattery and the cussing is what most people believe the blessing and the cursing are? Oh, you need to say nice words to people. You need to say nice things. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, you know what? Sometimes I need to rebuke something in Jesus' name. That's not real nice. In order to have some trust 
in the Holy Ghost, I got to sometimes get a little mad about things. If something's beating up on you and you just keep letting it kick you and punch you and do whatever, whatever it's doing, is, is that good? Is that what Jesus taught us to do? No, no, no. We get mad and we turn around and we start fighting. See, that's why it says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the darkness of this world. And when those things are happening, we've got to get mad in the spirit. I ain't letting it go. I'm going to keep kicking the devil in the teeth until he lets up. Because he ain't going to let up off you. If the devil's got you down, he's going to stomp you in the back until you're no more. I'm telling you, the devil don't like you. He hates you. He wants you gone. Okay? But see, this is the thing. Jesus himself came to make you overcomers. Well, being an overcomer means if I'm down and he's on top of me, who's, who's the overcomer? Well, it's Satan. I got to get mad. And I, sometimes I got to go and I got to rebuke. I got I to get back in the devil's face. And I got to say, no, that's not what my benefit is. We actually see that in Jesus' time. Jesus has the 40-day and 40-night fast. Satan comes and he starts tempting him. Man, Jesus, everybody was like, well, Jesus was just, you know, you know, the word of God says, oh, I'm so tired. I've been not eating. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I believe Jesus was fiery. I believe there was times where we see it in the word where they put a period, but it should have been an exclamation point. I believe there was a lot more, get thee behind me, Satan. See, that's the problem. Sometimes we're not willing to fight the good fight of faith. Because the good fight of faith is when I keep hearing this is going down. We're not doing anything. It's going to be bad. Well, guess what's going to happen? If you let that keep coming and you don't fight back, then it's going to take you down. But the good fight of faith says, no, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. My God has made me the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. Well, am I above everybody else? Well, if I say that, I'm over, you know, I, I'm above the Alexanders over here, right? No, no, no. I've overcome the devil. See, this is not about our place in this world. This is about our place in the spirit because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. See, that's what we need to understand is that I'm not using my spiritual gifts against other people or to try to get something. I'm using it against the devil. And as I do that, then you can get all the, the promises of God. There's more than enough of them. There's not like a little bit and, you know, we're all fighting for the, for the crumbs off of God's table. We're not fighting for anything that has to do with the goodness and the mercy and the power and the love of God. Because he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Well, if you've got power, love, and a sound mind, you can overcome everything. You can walk on hell and spit on the devil and put out the fires. This is the truth. And in James 3, 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among its members that it defiles the whole body. Wow. You say one bad thing about yourself or about other people, you start defiling yourself. You defile the way people see you. You defile the way that you see yourself. And it says, and set on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. 
Verse 7 says, For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea has been tamed and been tamed by mankind. Verse 8 says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. With it you can bless. And this word is the eulogia. It means I can, I can proclaim those good things. Or, it says our God, so we can bless our God and Father. And with it we can also curse men. This word curses, Qatar, it means that I'm going to make barren. You know, when I see other people and, you know, back in the day, you'd be like, how many people don't, okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise it, but I'm in everybody's head. Everybody's done this. Okay. <laughs> All right. I know everybody's done this. If you come to me and say, nope, never done that. Then I'm going to say liar. <clears throat> see, this is the thing. There's been times in my life where somebody got into a hole. They had a problem. There was a, something going on. They... They had, um, they got their just dessert, if you will. And it just, it was relish time. It was like, ooh, I'm so happy that that person went down. Don't look at me that way. Y'all did it too, okay? (laughs) But see, this is the thing. There's been times in my life where I have seen that and I've actually said, well, you know what? I knew that about them. I I knew they were going to, they were going to do this. And, you know, because, oh, I talked to them one time and they didn't, they didn't say hello to me. Well, they, they got to be evil because everybody wants to talk and say hello to me, right? See, that is one of the things about the tongue is that it wants to run out there and flap in the wind and tell everybody about all the stuff. And, oh, that, let me tell you about this person. Let me tell you about, oh, they, they, they fell into sin. Well, guess what happens when you do that? You defile yourself. You're not just defiling them. You're defiling yourself. Even the people who are running their tongue out with you go, I don't really trust that person either. Because every time something happens, they're running their mouth. Well, guess what? It's going to be really hard for you to minister to people and to tell people about the goodness of God if all people know is block, 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 I mean, that's, it's going to be hard. It, you're, you're going to be sitting in a, a, a situation where somebody says, hey, I, I need something. I need prayer. I need somebody to help me. And they look at Dusty and they go, oh, God, I'm not telling him. <laughs> it's truth. This is absolute truth. Your mouth... We'll get you in more trouble. How many people said, I, I stayed up all night and I was listening to a conversation that I had because I want to justify the conversation that I had, right? Oh, I, I, I think I said everything perfectly, right? I didn't do this. And then by the end of the morning, the conversation is completely different than it was before, right? It was like, you know, you did, you did call this guy good for nothing, you know, uh, you know, lizard liver lips or something right and then at the end of the morning you were like i called him and told him that jesus loved him but see that's the problem is that we will run our tongue until we start to follow our own mind and then we don't get into the lord forgive me and help me with this person because i need to i need them and they need me 
And it says here in, in um, verse 9, it says, with, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. We, we call them barren. We, we try to completely control or rule out them to ever have any goodness in their life. Who has been made in the similitude of God? Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. See, we have to understand that our tongue is going to be the first thing we have to watch in every situation. Everything that we do, our tongue is going to be the first thing. And the reason is, is because our sandpaper person is going to come along. How many people have a sandpaper person? A, sand, a sandpaper person is the kind of person that basically is tough to deal with and they rub you the wrong way. I don't know if you saw the, the sandpaper toilet paper, but that, that just gives you how bad some people's sandpaper person can be to them. In fact, one of the things that we need to understand is that when we have a sandpaper person, we need to control our tongue more. I want to, Lord, just give me a staple. I just need to like close my mouth when this person's around. So prophecy, to foretell an event divine or speak under inspiration. This is something that I, I want us to talk about for just a second. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, Pure love and, des and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why should we especially need to prophesy? And this is not just to pastors or, or evangelists or the people who are called in the ministry. This is speaking to everybody that, that's in church, everybody that's a Christian, everybody that's in that's in the word. Every, I mean, everybody's supposed to prophesy. And you say, well, Dusty, am I needing to get up right now and just start foretelling and divining what the future's going to hold? And the answer is no. By inspiration, you need to be able to speak into people's lives. And some of that is they're saying, I've got a problem. I don't have any peace in my life. I don't have any joy in my life. I don't have anything. And you're the one that by the Holy Spirit will have the words to be able to speak into their life. Now, is there opportunities by the Holy Spirit for us to be able to prophesy to people? Absolutely. And I'm going to explain something to you. Back in the Old Testament, people didn't have the Holy Spirit, okay? Can, can we all agree that, that, that each individual person was without God... That's why Jesus had to come. And God would put his spirit on one man or one woman, right? Well, this is the thing. When Jesus came and he put the Holy Spirit in us, we're one-third God on the inside of us. I used to say that and Heather would get on the front. You can't say there's one-third God on the inside. Yes, I can. Because he put the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That means that spirit, soul, and body. See, I, I, I'm, and I know some of y'all are cares folks. Andrew Womack did spirit, soul, and body. We also had Kenneth Hagin that did it. And I do my own version of spirit, soul, and body. But I want you to understand that the spirit of God came to live on the inside of you. And when the Spirit of God came and lived on the inside of you, that means that the Holy Spirit, God Himself, lives 
in you. That's why I'm not having to go to a man and say, hey, can you tell me what I need to know today? Because I got him on the inside and he can talk to me and I can talk to him. John 10.3 says that, that I hear the master's voice. I hear the shepherd's voice and no other shall I follow. It didn't say that we wouldn't hear other voices, by the way. You will hear other voices. I hear doubt and condemnation and shame and everything else. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's also in there going, Hey, hey, you're going to hear my voice because I'm going to tell you what's up. And see, this is one of the things that we need to understand is that prophecy, the Holy Spirit tells us, and if somebody else comes along and they start prophesying, it's supposed to edify what the Holy Spirit has said and not be something that you've never heard before. If somebody comes up and we have a service and somebody says, hey, I got a prophecy and I want to, I want to prophesy to all the people that's in here, and I go, go ahead. And they start prophesying out here to everybody and they go, they say, well, you know, Mike, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be three men that's going to come and all of those three men are going to come and they're going to, they're going to give you a million dollars and you're going to take that million dollars and you're going to give it to the church. Hallelujah. Go find them. Go find those three people and start a million dollars right here, Mike. Now that sounds like God to me, but this is the problem that we have is that if Mike had never heard the Holy Spirit go, you know what? I think I'm going to be believing for a million dollars for the church. That, that I feel the divine inspiration that's on the inside of me to start believing God for something. Then guess what's going to happen? That prophecy is going to hit him in the forehead and fall on the floor. And people are going to go, well, maybe I should listen to him. Maybe I should go do something. Maybe I should go take out a loan for a million dollars and give it to the church because the man of God said it. No, the Holy Spirit's supposed to talk to us first. And the edification of the prophecy comes second. By the way, I do it all the time. There's people that I walk up to. I may even be up here on the stage and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives me something. And then I have people come up and go, you know, the Holy Spirit told me that exact same thing. Guess what you got prophesied to, by me or by somebody else? And you think, well, there's got to be this, oh, angels showed up and... I'm going to give you three words and two of them are going to be now and one of them is going to be in the future. No, that, that is not the way biblical prophecy happens today. In fact, I was reading in Acts just this week and I know I'm probably getting way off and we'll, we'll make up the time. But Paul made a, a vow to go and to go to Jerusalem. He wanted to go preach and he had Agabus and he had Philip's daughters and he had all the people that he went for every town and they said, don't do it. He had the spirit come and say, if you're going to do this, you're going you're gonna to be arrested. And Paul said, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. See, none. I mean, Paul said, hey, I've been told this by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to tell me again. See, Agabus or any of the other people didn't come up and tell Paul something and he went, really? I didn't know I was going to get arrested. No, the Holy Spirit told him like four chapters back that this is going to happen to you. And by the way, Paul was in error. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Jesus himself called Paul to the Gentiles, but Paul, for some reason, 
just kept going, I want to go back and I want to preach to my brothers and I want to go do all this stuff. We actually found the scripture right before he took the vow. He went and preached to a bunch of people that was Jewish in this town and they like got all over him and he said, I'm going to the Gentiles with this. And they turned right back around and went back to the Jews. You know, if Paul had taken the time to do what Jesus told him, he probably would have finished all of the books. He would have went and, and probably went further in his ministry, but he kept saying, I want to go back to these people in Jerusalem. I want to go back to those people who taught me and I want to tell them about Jesus because I love them. Well, guess what? I love lots of people, but God sometimes tells me, no, don't go do that because I'm not the person to go talk to them. You know, there, I could have a prophecy for some people and they would look at me and go, you're just crazy. Even though the Holy Spirit may be dealing with them. But you know what? Somebody else comes along and the Holy Spirit's dealing with them and they come and talk to them. That's why we all have to be led by the Holy Spirit and we don't be led by the flesh, the five senses. Well, I see you're having a problem. You know, this is where I think ministers mess up a lot is they go, oh, Heather, I just, I can... I'm discerning that there's a problem. You got a, something on your face or, you know, I see you crying or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm just going to go pray for her. You know, and then I go, <laughs> look at her. Anyway. But I look, I look at people and I go, I'm not looking at your face and going, I might need to pray for Jamie today. No. Because sometimes people just have those kind of faces It's like, <laughs> as they're sitting there. Well, why go up, you go up to them and go, hey, I need to pray for you and I'm going to give you a word and all this other stuff. Man, that's not prophecy. That's not ministering to people. Ministering to people is to be led by the Holy Ghost. And there's some people that go, I might go and talk to them and try to comfort them, but I'm not going to go and and like prophesy to them, right? So you need to understand the difference. But if the Lord tells you to say something, or if the Lord does something, go do it. But just know, don't go do it because you saw them with a long face or they were crying. Amen? I'm trying to make sure that for the people who don't understand prophecy, because it's a very, it's out there thing. And there's a lot of times people have had like really bad teachings about prophecy. And I want to make sure that we got a biblical world, a biblical view and not a worldview of prophecy. Because everybody who prophesies is not prophesying in the name of God. I'm just telling you. You can turn on the TV and you get somebody that says, if you give $50, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, if you give $50, this is going to happen in your life. Turn the TV off, do something else, go pray, because that is not it. Amen. I've been, I've been meddling too much. Let me move on here. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24. It's just, a, you know, it's just like 20, uh, 23 uh, verses down, it says, but if all prophesied and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he's convicted by all. And thus the secret of his heart is revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is true among you. See, the thing is, is that there's sometimes where we won't do it. God has told us to talk to someone and we go, not me, Lord. Oh, not me. I don't want to go talk to them. 
You know, I've had, you know, the, the most awesome word I've ever gotten just about was from a five-year-old. Well, she may have been six. I'm preaching. I'm at Life of Faith North. I was the co-pastor there with Brad Holloman. And all of a sudden, Selah comes running up, and she, and she says, and I'm praying for people, and we'd had a really good service. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of healing that had happened in that service, not just physical, but it was emotional. And we get to the very end, and she comes up, and I think she wants prayer. And so I get down with her, and I'm like, hey, baby, what, you know, what do you want? And she says, I want to pray over you. And I said, exactly, okay. So I get down on one knee, and I'm still like three feet taller than her, but she comes up and she puts her hands on me, and she has a word that was mine and Heather's word about us starting this church and about where it was going to be and about how it was going to be done. And we're sitting there, and I'm bawling. I mean, I'm just like, she read my mail. She's got, I mean, she's got me in the place where if, if she was like a really bad, you know, prophet, she could have said, now give $50 or something. And I would have been like, where's my wallet? Holy Ghost. Uh, I mean, I was there. She had me. You know why? Because kids can hear from the Holy Spirit. You can hear from the Holy Spirit. Some of the best prophecies I've ever heard of, a kid just heard it and said, I'm going to just say it. You've got to be able to say it too because you're going to make it to where somebody's going to be either convinced or convicted. And see, if the Holy Spirit's been dealing with them, man, it's going to change their life. I've seen people change like that because the Holy Spirit was dealing with them. You know, I I have people that go, well, I just don't understand why... This happened for that person so quickly. Well, you know, if the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you for five years and then all of a sudden you get a word today and, you, and, and that word changes your life, well, then that was five years of teaching and, and having heart change, right? But if it was, so I think most people, the Holy Spirit's dealing with them for a long, long period of time and then all of a sudden they have an encounter with God for whatever reason, purpose, And then the next thing you know, it's like, man, that changed their life. And you think, that was an overnight change. No, it was five years in the making. That that tree grew all the way up, and today the fruit came out. We can actually harvest it today. Amen? All right. Choose prophecy. You You can affect people if you seek divine inspiration. You know, I don't go tell people unless I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to go tell something. So don't just go find somebody and say, I'm just going to start speaking nonsense into your life. That's no good. All right, choose your sandpaper person. When you see your sandpaper person, say hello to them. Don't avoid them. Don't run your mouth about them. Speak life into them. It may be the only life they ever see. You know, sometimes your sandpaper person, they've never had anybody speak anything but doubt and unbelief and negativity. And that is why you need to be the person speaking goodness. All right. You can, you are God's voice to those who can't hear. And there's some people that are so blinded by some of the things that are going on, they just can't hear nothing. Matthew 5.34, I'm sorry, 5.43 And it says, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say unto you, love your enemy. Bless this word again. Speak well of those who curse you. And do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 45 says, That you may be the sons of the Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? What wage have you earned? See, I want you to understand this reward because, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, if you go to college for something that's not like, you know, a, a history degree or something like that, unless you're going to be a history teacher. But you go get like an electrical engineering degree or you go get a nursing degree or you go get a, you know, a doctor's degree or whatever. Whatever degree you go and get, at the end of that, there should be a job, right? That, that's, that's, the, that's the hope, right? <laughs> you're not working at Starbucks or something like that. Well, see, this is the thing that I want you to understand is that when we go through something that didn't pay us a wage, that we are looking for a reward at the end of it. It means that there will be a wage. There will be something that's worthwhile at the end of it. And see, whenever we love those who love ourselves, there's, no, there's nothing to earn. It means, you know, I love my wife. I can love her all day long and it's not hard but my sandpaper person, good Lord, I come in and tell her about him. <laughs> and it's like, that was hard today. Golly, I can think about my sandpaper person right now. <laughs> They're at work and it's hard. But see, this is the problem is that I smile and I go on because the wage I get at the end of that is that me and the sandpaper person, we won another round of being able to deal with each other. But it says here in verse, um, it says, uh, do not even the tax collectors do the same. Verse 47, and if you greet your brother only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. See, one of the things I want you to understand is a tax collector. And if y'all work for the IRS, I'm sorry, but you're about to get an earful. Okay. A tax collector takes money from someone who earned it. That means they didn't earn any of it. It wasn't hard for them to go and get that money because that's all a tax collector does. And see, that was the problem that people had with tax collectors back then is that they took money, but then they took too much because the, the Roman government said, hey, they owe 10%. You can tax them whatever above the 10% that you can get by with without being killed. By the way, tax collectors died at a very high rate. <laughs> because they would go and say, well, if, you get to, if Rome gets 10%, I get 10%, and Rome doesn't care, right? As long as they get their 10%. Well, guess what? That might be 10% too much for some, and they go... Well, if i got to give you 10%, then I'm just going to go ahead and take you out. I'd rather either die or go to jail. But see, this is the problem, is that tax collectors are the idealism of someone who takes from someone else. And so all they do is the easy thing. And see, our relationships with people have to do with us 
earning that wage. There's some people that we have to earn it a lot more. In fact, those are sometimes some of the best ministry opportunities that you've ever had. Because if you can get through to your sandpaper person, that means you've built a line of trust that you don't have with most people. Amen? All right, this is the last one. You can do it! How many people have seen that movie? Do you know that you know that we have the anointing to bless people and we have the anointing to be blessed. You are blessed. If, you've, if you're saved, you're blessed. In fact, you're so blessed, you don't even know what to do with yourself. You just don't know how to get it out. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15, and it says, And in this confidence, I intend to come to you before that you might have a second benefit. This word second benefit, when you go and look it up, it actually means charis. So besides them saying grace here, that you have a second grace, they, this word actually also means benefit as well. That's one of the reasons why I look at the word grace as a gift and I look at faith as trust because I can put my trust in something that I know is a gift. I can put my trust, faith, into something that that I know God has put down for me, right? It's just like that air fryer. If God gave you the air fryer, it's going to work every single time, right? But if I gave you the air fryer, especially if I've used it a while, it may not work for you. See, that's one of the reasons why I believe that Paul is talking about this second grace. He's talking about how those promises that God had He's going to add to those benefits. You know, I can add to the benefits here. I could have walked in here and I could have just half put this together. And Okay, let me tell you about all the things that, that God is telling me this week. Well, some of y'all might have been able to make it through it. But then some of y'all are going to be like, oh my gosh, how do I get out of here? But see, some of the added benefits is just like what Paul was saying is that he was going to bring himself into it. See, God created this ministry stream so that we would be able to extend the benefits. You know, there's things that Jamie and, you know, Mike and Jason and everybody in here has that Dusty doesn't have. Like, I could go and minister to people and they might be like, oh, okay. But all of a sudden, JR goes and ministers to somebody that he knows and it means something so much greater. See, that's one of the reasons why I think it's that Paul was trying to say, hey, I want to bring you more gifts, more benefits. I want to expound upon the things God has through what he has given me. Amen. Everybody in here has something to give and you need to give it. Verse 16 says to pass by the way of you to Macedonia to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. So he was saying, hey, I'm going to get a benefit too. I'm going to come by, I'm going to see you. And when I come from from Judea, I know that I'm going to benefit from it as well. Verse 17 says, therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I planned, do I do according to the flesh? That with me there should be a yes, yes, and a no, no. Verse 18 says, but as God is faithful... 
Our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus, who was preached among you by us and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but it was in him was yes. It was yes. See, Jesus didn't say, well, you know, how much money did you give last year? That's where you're going to get saved. Or were you Jewish? See, Jesus never said no to anybody. You would have a Roman centurion that was not even, there was nothing. They were completely out of the covenant. And, I mean, you had, you had the uh, Samaritan woman that came and said, Hey, what about my child? And it was like, should I give the, you know, should I give the bread off the table? And she said, yes, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And Jesus said, yes, you got more faith than anybody I've seen ever. See, Jesus, when somebody came to him and said, I believe this, are you going to tell me yes? He would go, yes. In fact, it says right here, it says in verse 20, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him are amen to the glory of God through us. He who has established us with you in Christ has anointed us is God. Verse 22, Who also has sealed us and given us the spirit of our heart as a guarantee. This, this word right here, that he has sealed us in the spirit. It's the same, it's the same words there that is in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Where it says that we heard the word, that we believed it, and then we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now I paraphrase that so if you're looking it up. But that's essentially what it means. And when we heard it, we believed it. Then the Holy Spirit himself was vacuum packed on the inside of you. You know, I tell people all the time, my dad was a meat salesman. He would bring in these big packs of meat and stuff. Well, you know, I went for him and with him into warehouses. They were the nastiest places you ever been. In fact, if you go to a warehouse, you're like, do I really eat this food? Good Lord. But we would go into these places and it would be vacuum packed. It would be in a freezer or in a box. And you'd be sitting there going, man, I could throw dirt on this. I could, I could throw whatever it is. This thing is still going to be good after I wash it off. And see, that was the whole thing about this. Was that, um, that there, was, there was times where there were, um, you know, in the spirit, if you broke the spirit, let's just say for King David or for anything that was going on back in the Old Testament, well, the spirit would leave. Right? Because they would do something wrong. Saul had it happen to him a lot because he was constantly doing something wrong. But see, this is the thing that Jesus did was he came and he sealed us by the Holy Spirit. That means that the wrong thing can happen to you or you can go do the wrong thing and the Holy Spirit is still on the inside of you. If he hadn't been hurt, he's still vacuum packed, he's vacuum sealed. You have good things on the inside of you that has no problems with the world. See, everybody goes, well, you know, I, I was around bad people this week or I did something that was wrong and Lord, forgive me. Well, I just hope the Holy Spirit will just come back. He never left. 
He's been vacuum sealed on the inside of you. You know what that is so great is that I can, in one sentence, I could go cuss somebody out and by the end of it, I can also ask for forgiveness at the same time. You know, I've had things like that happen. You get cut off this past week. I had a bunch of people in the car and I was driving back from lunch and this guy in a big Dodge Charger, he comes and I mean, he almost knocks the front off my car. And I'm just sitting there in amazement, like what in the world just happened? And I was going fast. So I was like, I don't even understand why this guy did it. And you know, the thing is, is that all the people in the car started going, oh, holy blank, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like with them. I mean, I was like, (laughs) I was right there. I was like, "Eh." and then all of a sudden I was like, in the name of Jesus, thank you that my car didn't get hit. You know that. The thing is, the Holy Spirit was sitting on the inside of me. When that bad thing started to come up, the Holy Spirit went, nope. You're going to start speaking life into that situation. There's a lot of times that bad things want to start creeping up or want to start happening. Circumstances of life come. And you know what? I speak to them. No, that's not what the Word says. The Word says that By his stripes, I was healed. So when I have this pain in my body, I know in the name of Jesus that it says that by his stripes, I was healed. That means at the cross, he died for my sins and for my sicknesses and for all these promises. That means that it happened 2,000 years ago and now I am health. I am health. I look at myself every, every time I get up out of bed in the morning. And I look at myself in the mirror and I go, oh God comb my hair back over and I go, you are health. You're also strength in the name of Jesus. We need a lot more people speaking into their lives and into other people's lives rather than just taking the circumstances and speaking about them. You can do it. You can do it. Whatever the word says, you can do it. Say, I can do it. it. Amen. Amen. You know, I want, people to, I want people to know who they are in Christ Jesus. That's why we are Identity Church. It's because when I started actually focusing on who I was in Christ Jesus, then Christ Jesus started coming out of me. When I started focusing on all of my sin and all of my badness and all the things, then I couldn't see Jesus in me no more than I could see anything. I'd become so... Even And I was saved. But until I actually got a hold of who I was in Christ Jesus and what the promises of God are, then I was just, I flailed around. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I just pray over each and every person that that they see who they are in Christ Jesus and they start living it out. They start speaking your promises that they find the promises of God in your word, that they, that they start taking those and meditating on those and bringing those into their heart, Father, so that they can believe them. And then they can speak them, not only to the people that are, that are around them, but also to the people that are not their friends, that are enemies of theirs, their sandpaper people. And I just pray in Jesus' name that there are opportunities that you're going to give them to where they're going to know by the Spirit what to do and what to say in those situations so that they can be life 
and that life will happen not only for them, but it will happen for the people that are around them. They can do it. The Holy Spirit is saying, they, you can do it. And you will do it. Father, I pray over them as they go this week that you just lead people across their path that they can minister the gospel to. And Father, I thank you that you're bringing about people's hearts and minds and changing them to where now they will start knowing what you say, that they won't listen to the world, but they will continue in the things of God and they will become disciples. And Father, I thank you that the world, I believe, is coming back to you. And I pray, dear Lord, that you are bringing more and more people into the kingdom of God every single day. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be up here at the front if you have any prayer for anything. But you guys have a great week. You're dismissed. Thank you.